Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we'll unlock the book Born a Crime, stories from a South African childhood. How could someone be born a crime? The protagonist and author of this book Trevor Noah is one such person. He was born a crime simply because his father is white and his mother is black, such a combination was illegal under the Immorality Act. It was a crime no less than treason. The Immorality Act enacted by the apartheid regime in South Africa aimed at denying black South Africans the same right to marry as whites. According to the Immorality Act, having sexual relations with a person of another race was a crime. The parents would be sentenced, and children born to such a relationship would be sent to an orphanage. In this book, Noah uses the first-person point of view to explain how he grew up in South Africa, depicting what life was like under apartheid. We can see from this book that Noah who was born a crime had a difficult childhood. He spent little time with his father, and when he did, they mostly stayed indoors. If they went outside together, his father could only walk on the other side of the road, pretending not to know Noah and his mother. Otherwise, they would all be taken away by the police for investigation. Trevor has darker skin than his father, and he was classified as colored. In South Africa, mixed people were classified as their own separate group, neither black nor white, but colored. The government forced people to register their race, black people, white people, Indian people, and colored people. As a mixed person, Noah has lighter skin than his mother, so he couldn't walk with his mother in public either. Every time they went out for a walk, his mother would invite a colored neighbor to join them, so she could pose as a maid to avoid the police's investigation. Noah grew up with his mother and has been deeply influenced by her. As a matter of fact, this memoir of Noah's is more like an epic for his mother. A strong and independent woman, his mother never succumbed to her fate because of her race. She would give her every effort to do what she wanted and eventually make it happen. Including Noah, she gave birth to him not because she wanted to be part of a man's life but to have a baby of her own. After Noah's birth, she raised him alone, keeping a reasonable and safe distance from his father, and managed to give Noah a normal life in a racially discriminative environment. Though life was hard, Noah learned to confront it with optimism under his mother's protection, and eventually became a world-famous talk show host. Michiko Kakutani, the former chief book critic for the New York Times and a Pulitzer Prize winner praised this book as a love letter to the author's remarkable mother. And it indeed deserves such praise. Next, we'll tell Trevor Noah's bittersweet life stories through three sections. Part 1, Trevor Noah's Birth Part 2, Influence from His Mother Part 3, Growing Up as Trevor Noah Noah's growing up story was closely related to the larger context of his time and the apartheid social environment. For centuries, apartheid dominated every aspect of South Africa. The institutionalization of racial segregation in, in South Africa made it justifiable for whites to violate the rights of other races. Under such a regime, people were forced to register their race with the government and were classified in descending order into white people, colored people, Indian people, and black people. Based on those classifications, 
People of different races lived in strictly segregated areas. Millions of people were uprooted and relocated. Because of their different skin colors, they were not allowed to use common public resources and services. Take the land for example. Noah's mother once lived in the so-called homelands for black people. Despite the fact that black people made up over 80% of South Africa's population, the territory allocated for the homelands was about 13% of the country's land. There was no running water, no electricity. People lived in huts. By contrast, white people who were in the minority lived in lush and irrigated white neighborhoods. With such serious social inequality, protests and riots often broke out. However, almost every protest for rights ended with much more black blood than white blood being shed. Besides confrontations between black people and white people, racism also stirred up conflicts between different tribes, making them hate and even kill each other. Dozens, hundreds, or even thousands were killed each time a riot broke out. This is when so-called necklacing was common, which was when people would hold someone down and put a rubber tire over his torso, pinning his arms. Then they'd douse him with petrol and set him on fire and burn him alive. That was the turmoil in which little Noah lived. He remembers he once said to his mother, I think Satan burns tires in hell. Living in such a dangerous world, it was thanks to his mother that Noah could deal with his situation and life with optimism and strength. As we mentioned in the preface, this book is like Noah's love letter to his remarkable mother. His mother is his hero. She taught him how to think independently. Noah's mother is named Patricia Nambayaselo Noah. She is Kosa. The Kosa is one of the two dominant tribes of black South Africans. She's been rebellious and strong-willed since she was a kid. She left her home at an early age and learned English with a white priest. That was extremely lucky for her because there was also strict racial segregation in education. Knowing English gave her a slightly higher social status than black people who only spoke their tribal language. It also gave her the possibility to land a relatively decent job. The South African government didn't allow black people to take office jobs. Usually, black women could only work in factories or as maids. But Patricia Noah would make every effort to achieve what she wanted. She took a secretarial course and learned typewriting, so she was able to get a secretary job at a multinational pharmaceutical company when the policy loosened up a bit. However, black workers were required to carry a pass with their ID number to work in the city, otherwise, they could be arrested and sent back to the homelands. There was also a curfew. A black person would risk arrest if he or she was not back home in the township after a certain hour. Because of such regulations, Patricia Noah even hid and slept in public restrooms. Still, she sometimes got caught for not having her ID or lingering in a white area for too long. The penalty she faced was 30 days in jail or a fine of 50 rand, nearly half her monthly salary. Every time this happened, she would pay the fine and go right back to work. Her apartment was located in a neighborhood called Hillbrow where many foreign immigrants lived. Among them, there was a tall Swiss man. She would chat with him for a while every time she passed by his apartment or dance with him at underground parties. As time went by, they fell in love. However, considering their backgrounds, and the social environment, 
it was impossible for them to be together, and they knew that clearly. One day, Patricia Noah told the Swiss man she wanted a child, and she needed his sperm. She said he could leave her alone after they've done it, and he wouldn't have to shoulder any responsibility of raising the child. She just wanted a child of her own. So, Trevor Noah was born to this unconventional couple. Since she couldn't tell others who the father was, Patricia Noah checked into the hospital alone for a scheduled C-section delivery. The baby looked obviously lighter-skinned, so she lied to the doctor that his father is from a tiny country in the west of South Africa. In South Africa, the names people give their children always have a meaning. For example, Noah's cousin is named Mungisi, the fixer. Noah's uncle was born after an unplanned pregnancy, so his name means he who popped out of nowhere. Patricia Noah gave her baby the name of Trevor because that name has no special meaning attached. It's just a name. She wanted her baby beholden to no fate. She wanted him to be free to go anywhere, do anything, be anyone. Dangers lurked around Noah when he was little. As he could be taken to the orphanage at any time, he was always kept inside and never allowed to exit. One day when he was three, he couldn't bear it anymore, so he dug a hole under the gate in the driveway, wriggled through, and ran off. Everyone panicked. If he had been noticed by a police patrol, he could have been taken to an orphanage for colored kids, his mother could have gone to prison, and the whole family could have been deported. Noah's father was not his father in legal terms, so Noah couldn't be registered as his father's son. His mother could only take him to see his father furtively and occasionally in private. When they walked along the street or in the park, they would keep a long distance apart, pretending they didn't know each other. There was one time when little Noah called dad a few times behind his father. The man was so scared that he ran away immediately. In fact, Noah couldn't take a walk with his mother in public either. Their different skin colors were a violation. So, every time they went out for a walk, his mother would invite their neighbor a colored woman, and pretend to be her maid, since colored people were only next to white people on the social ladder. If that neighbor was not available, she would risk walking him on her own. If the police showed up, she would have to pretend Noah wasn't hers. Noah's skin color not only put his family in danger when they were outside, but it also brought about embarrassment when at home. He was a naughty kid and his grandma often didn't know how to discipline him. She said she couldn't hit him because she didn't know how to hit a white child. A black child, you hit them and they stay black, she said. Trevor, when you hit him, he turns blue and green and yellow and red. She was afraid that she was going to break him, and she said that she didn't want to kill a white person, so she wasn't going to touch him. And in fact, she never did. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.